0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. Happy Monday and fresh off a four and a half mile run pre-podcast, our own Amanda Carpenter. By the way, congratulations on that.
1: Hey, feeling fresh, ready to go.
0: uh, Oh, oh, they make me feel very sedentary. You know, I I, I I read your tweet about that and I just felt tired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, it's... Pretty refreshing for me, and so it kind of once you get into it, you get a little more energy to get the day going. So,
0: well, I I, I could use that. Um, so obviously, we're going to spend most of today's program talking about the Brewers uh, clinching the the National League Central Division, right? And uh, and the
1: uh, you're going to have to take and, the lead on that.
0: And uh, the last two minutes of the Packer game last night. I mean, if we could just like it just sort of, I hope you have a comfortable chair there. While That's all we, yours we, too, Go Crystal. <laughs> Bill Crystal still talks about when when I, I I went off for about 15 minutes on the Milwaukee Bucks. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be when the Brewers win the World Series and, you know, Milwaukee has titles in Major League Baseball and the NBA? Can you imagine how insufferable this podcast is going to be? It,
1: it I sounds can. like I it's can. all going to be very wonderful for you.
0: I, I can. Okay. So we have to work for up you. a certain thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I wrote, it will, it will be wonderful for all. It This is America. <laughs> This will be good for America. <laughs> so um, as I wrote in my newsletter today, this is gonna be a hell of a week. I mean, the Democrats in Congress may not be able to save the Biden presidency, turn around all the problems it's having, but but they can certainly tank it um as they're playing this elaborate game of political chicken, which we'll come back to okay, because I I have to work up to this because I have not had a four and a half mile run <laughs> to get me in the mood, the the head of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, saying that as many as 60 Democrats may vote to kill Biden's own infrastructure bill, the one that's already passed the Senate.
1: Hey, look, we just saved $3.5 trillion.
0: (laughs) Deep breath, deep breath, (laughs) deep breath here. And of course, uh, Liz Cheney had her 60 Minutes moment uh, last night, which we we will get to. The Former president goes to Georgia and suggests that Stacey Abrams might be a better governor than uh, the than Republican governor Kemp. Which is like, Donald Trump is really the gift that keeps on giving to, to Georgia Republicans, isn't he? It's just amazing.
1: <laughs> hey, let's see how many races he can lose. That's fine. I mean, that's an easy way to... Kill kill the Trumpist forces. We just surrender know. themselves. That's fine. Uh,
0: okay. So uh you wrote extensively over the weekend about the Arizona fraud at Cyber Ninja report that came out. And amazingly, after all of that, after the millions of dollars and the search for bamboo in the ballots, et cetera, they came to the conclusion that not only did Joe Biden win, but he won by an even bigger margin. And you had a number of Republicans who were suggesting, okay, now it's time to put this behind us. Uh, The election's over. We've done this three or four times. You have the, uh, the chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, whose name is Jack Sellers, urging lawmakers to stop listening to the fringes and gather real facts from election experts before making more careless allegations and proposing legislation based on poor science. Well, fat chance of that wasn't there.
1: No, this whole um, charade, I mean, I've just got to tell you. So I spent Friday late afternoon, evening watching this whole presentation. You and did. And it is just incredible to me. I know everyone is taking you, victory laps. Ha, ha, ha. No, no, you, you,
0: you took that one for the team. The yeah, yeah but
1: there's the critique. Yes, they confirmed Joe Biden won. But it would not have mattered if they confirmed that like flying monkeys came in And came in and changed the votes because the whole thing is a charade. And as I was sitting there watching it, I just got like more frustrated and more frustrated because I cannot believe that the national press and everyone sat and took in this BS hearing as if it were something credible, including myself, right? Because I had to, because I, you know, have been following this issue for so long but you look at how much they were able to do and accomplish. I mean, Karen Fan and Warren Peterson, the Arizona state president and Senate Judiciary chairman, were able to seize ballots, equipment. And put on this whole show for months on end. And when you look at the people testifying, Doug Logan and this Dr. Shiva, I mean, if they had come to my town and put on cloud noses to do a magic show for my kids, I wouldn't let my kids sit for it because it is such <laughs> a joke. And yet I have to sit there and listen to these guys testify for hours on end as if they're some kinds of experts, as if they did anything credible. I mean, this Dr. Shiva dude who essentially was qualified to do this because he's an anti- uh, anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist and has been on the 2020 stop the steal stuff from the get-go and he's he he has no conclusions to offer he just keeps saying well this kind of looks funny and i have questions about this no 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 this was not a forum to raise questions you're supposed to have findings but like again i'm i i'm getting sucked into like what you're supposed to do for a hearing when it is just a complete kangaroo court i mean if you looked at the setup of this they kept saying well this is a you know partisan, you know, Republicans in the Senate authorized this. No, they didn't. It was the two people there. And you can tell because there's only two people on the dais hearing from these, you know, clowns in taking the testimony. Nobody else could ask questions. No reporters were allowed. But yeah, it has all the, you know, performance and pomp and circumstances. Like, this is something credible. I mean, it is just like we all, everyone got played. Everyone got played because these jokers just happened to be in position of power. And so- my takeaway from that is that this isn't something to say, like, oh, haha, ha, they confirmed. I mean, this is election subversion, right? This is what we're afraid of. This is the long, long con ruse, because the entire purpose of this was to delegitimize the election and Karen fan and all these people just say, well, we just want to satisfy concerns." <laughs> no, 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 no. It's pretty obvious that while the hearing is going on, Donald Trump is yelling, decertify the election. I mean, that, that might be a clue, but nobody stands up and says anything except for, you know, the guys at the Maricopa board of supervisors and uh, Stephen Richer, and like this continues, it is just incredible. Like everyone should be embarrassed. It is well, so embarrassing they, they should be. Well, to they, be a they,
0: they, they should. They should be embarrassed. But I, I think this is this turned out to be a kind of a clarifying moment about our our, our politics today. That this. Arizona audit fraud was not even a speed bump for them. I think that it's, uh, it, it ought to underline, in case people hadn't understood this, that the big lie right now in, is is irrefutable, that there's no fact, no, no data, no information that is going to cause uh, Trump world to back off from this or stop the momentum of one state after another going along with this. Now, before we get into that, okay, so... For those of you who imagined, who'd been living in some sort of a bubble of naivete or denial and thought that this, uh, this might be a reality check, that people, you know, having fallen flat on their face would, would be embarrassed about it. Uh, as, as you mentioned, that did not happen. And here was the former president of the United States speaking in Georgia last night. Listen how Donald Trump is spinning this.
2: Yesterday, we also got the results of the Arizona audit. Which, which were so disgracefully reported by those people right back there, and the headlines Evil claiming media. that Biden won—that <laughs> Biden won—are fake news and a very big lie. You know, they like to. You ever notice when they write about that? They would say, "While the election results are a big lie, every reporter—it's right. like it's like it's just total misinformation." While they're totally unfounded, everything's unfounded, Mm. big lie, not correct. While Trump has no reason to say this. I mean, we get piles and piles of information, affidavits by the thousands and thousands. It's a disgrace. We won on the Arizona forensic audit yesterday at a level that you wouldn't believe. And uh, what I'm going to do.
0: You wouldn't believe because, of course, that's bullshit. (laughs) Not even by the the definition of the cyber ninja folks did he win by a big margin, but but there he is, and he's off on all of that, and... You know what, what? What can you do? This this has now become central. You you mentioned that the point of the audit was not to uncover truth, which is true. I, I think it's threefold. It's number one, it is to uh, you know uh, re- reduce confidence in the. I mean, destroy confidence in the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. It's to delegitimize the Biden presidency, and it's to lay the groundwork for next time. And n- next time is already in progress. I mean, this is that's why they're never going to let go of this. They're never going to turn around and admit. Yeah, Okay. we know we took the L. Let's let's do better next time. No, he won't let them go on this.
1: No, and that's because the big election lie like this isn't about facts and what you can prove or disprove with an audit. Okay, it's about control. It's about Donald Trump standing up and making Republicans say and do whatever he wants them to do. And in this case, that means saying that he was the winner of the 2020 election, that perfectly valid elections that have been audited over and over again by professionals um, don't hold up and that election should be decertified. It means that he can make Republicans go audit elections that he already won, right? Which is what's happening in Texas. I mean, he has people on the ground in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and this like reject the idea this is about facts. This is about right, him not controlling about other members of the Republican Party and making him buckle and say and do whatever he likes okay, at so any he, point in time. So,
0: so here is a perfect example of that. And you, and you, you mentioned Texas, where uh, Greg Abbott is running for re-election, and Donald Trump said jump, and Texas, the Texas Governor Greg Abbott said how high he was he was on with Chris Wallace of Fox News, who who challenged him on like say. Donald Trump asks for an audit and you just roll over, you know, you roll over like a like a hit armadillo in the middle of the highway. OK, let's just play that cut from uh, Chris Wallace and Greg Abbott. Finally,
2: this week, former President Trump sent you an open letter uh, asking for an audit of the 2020 presidential election in the state of Texas, which we should note he won by about 600000 votes within hours. The secretary of state of Texas, uh, an office that you appoint, agreed and has ordered audits in four of Texas's biggest counties. A couple of questions. One, isn't it just a terrible waste of taxpayer money to have an audit in a state that everybody says went fine and that uh, President Trump won by 600,000 votes? And aren't you contributing to this undermining confidence in our election process? That's the point i, I got to make several points about this. One, the the context here, and that is there are audits of every aspect of government. We have a state auditor. There's a federal auditor <laughs> audit uh, for everything. the way that government operations work. Sure. Uh, uh, businesses that are public companies are subject to an annual audit. Why don't we audit everything in this world but people raise their hands in concern when we audit elections, which is fundamental to our democracy? Second point.
0: No, I, th- I, I think we'll stick with the first point. It's just yes. We audit everything. What's the big deal? Why would you raise your hand about this? Well, because it was such an obvious money time wasting act of toadyism, Governor Abbott.
1: Yeah, listen. <laughs> so some audits are okay. Those happen after election, but they're run by professionals. They have standards. What is happening now? We have to like get rid of the audit word when Donald Trump is calling for these partisan investigations meant to delegitimize the elections. I mean, again, these are acts of election subversion at this point. uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated nine months ago. It's over. There's no reason to reopen this except for the fact that Donald Trump wants to keep the big lie going. I mean, this is what he has done since forever. This is another investigation into uh, Barack Obama's birth certificate. This is another investigation that he wanted into Joe Joe and Hunter Biden activities in Ukraine. I mean, this is just the stuff that he does. He's always been obsessed with these sort of BS, um, politically driven investigations to smear people. And in this case, he's smearing uh, the voters they're smearing election officials. I mean, look at the real damage that was done to the people who actually make this process work. I have so much respect for the people in Maricopa County who stood up for the elections right. process. Stephen but guess Richard. what? Will, yeah. they, will they ever get an apology? No. They still get death threats, okay? The Republican chairwoman of the party there, Kelly Ward, is just talking endlessly about why it should still be decertified, and campaigning against these good, upstanding election officials. And because of what she did, because of what Karen Warren did, because of what uh, Warren Peterson did, that pain is going to spread to good, upstanding people in Texas, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and wherever else.
0: You know, it's interesting how this has become kind of the the, the way of tribal—the the method of tribal signaling, um, even even outside of Arizona. So you have the uh, genuinely deplorable former governor of Missouri, Eric Reitens, who's running for U.S. Senate. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, here's a guy who what was he accused of doing, tying up his mistress and t- tying up and there.
1: blackmailing some woman?
0: Yeah, well, he was also Kimberly off some wants
1: to fundraise for him.
0: The guy was shocker. the the guy was so deplorable that he was abandoned by his own fellow Republicans and forced to resign in complete disgrace as governor. And yet he's he's running for Senate and he thinks that he can shoehorn his way into the, the nomination by being Trumpier than thou. And the way he's doing it is by he's hanging out with the Arizona folks saying that, yes, we should absolutely decertify Arizona. So he, he actually put out a statement uh, about that. And he's been meeting with uh, some of the Republican legislators from from Arizona. And and so even though there's this report that says that Joe Biden won again, you got guys like Eric Greiton who are are showing their fealty to Donald Trump. Back to your point about saying whatever he he tells them to say. And I don't I don't know that it's going to work for him in, in Missouri, but. It is interesting. And then, of course, you have that legislator. You saw this over the weekend. This uh, congressional candidate, not a legislator, congressional candidate in uh, Virginia named Jerome Bell. I did. You th- th- read this, that is, one. This is his tweet. Audit all 50 states, arrest all involved, try all involved, convict all involved, execute all involved, hashtag Maricopa County fraud. Seems like a reasonable fella. What do you think?
1: Yeah, he's pretty much on message with Josh Mandel, who's also calling mm. for all yep. the elections to be audited and ultimately decertified because, yeah, right? The, the,
0: the executing all is an interesting touch. It's like, okay, I need to up the ante. I'm just convinced that that there's that we. It, it is like a meth. It is like a meth ring. You have to constantly give out the stronger stuff. So, okay, it's not I don't enough. Know, what, why don't
1: we think he like? Yes, to the methane, and maybe he's just appeasing the base, but I, I'm going to take him at his word. You write that on Twitter and all caps, and you hashtag specific people, that, that's a direct threat. Like, I am not willing to downplay this and say, oh, you know, he's just handing out red meat to the base. Like, this is very serious.
2: The yeah, fact but- that someone
1: can, and it stays up on Twitter, right? I haven't seen it be taken down by now. But after all the talk that we've had about January 6th and violence spreading on social media, Nobody's doing crap to slow this down or say, Hey, maybe, maybe that's not even a good idea. You know, talking about executing, (sighs) executing people,
0: Well, this is how and I'm sorry to use a word that I think has become really overused, but this is how you normalize political violence. This is this is how you put it into the political bloodstream where your opponents are not just wrong on the issues. They are criminals. They need to be locked up. They need to be prosecuted. They need to be killed. And unfortunately, you know, people treat this as if it's sort of like, well, you're just blowing off steam or speaking metaphorically, or we need to take them seriously, but not literally or whatever bullshit line we have out there. But at some point, it's like, guys, we actually have people running for office talking about killing officials who did something we don't like executing. them. right. Okay whatever. Um, although I'm guessing that as a result of that tweet that he'll raise twice as much money and his, and his chances have gone up. So anything else about the Trump rally in Georgia that you want to talk about or can we move on from Trump?
1: Um, well, just kind of a, how it relates to what the investigation that is happening in Georgia. I mean, every time Donald Trump takes the mic, he kind of admits about uh, more details about how he tried to overturn the election. And I just want to remind people that this is, still being actively investigated about what he did to Georgia officials. And I would direct people to um, a report from the Brookings investigation they put out last week that kind of goes through all the things that's just in the public record, right? From the Raffensperger phone call to other lawyers going down there. There was so much communication asking um, for Georgia officials to find the votes so that Donald Trump could win. Um, just keep an eye on that, and I'm just going to run down quickly yeah. um, the possible crimes that the Brookings officials think that he could be charged with. Um, that includes, I'm reading from the report, criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, intentional interference with performance of election duties, conspiracy to commit election fraud, criminal solicitations, and state RICO violations. Yeah, check, so, check, check,
0: check, yep, check. Yeah. Check.
1: That that's not over. Okay.
0: So, one of the Again, I, I'm I'm sorry to keep repeating myself here, but all of the stuff that Trump is doing is like right out and open. It's in broad daylight. It's in real time. There's no secret about it. I mean, we've heard the tapes of him saying, hey, can you just find the votes? He goes to the rally and talks about how he tried to pressure the governor uh, as a kind of a quid pro quo. He says not a quid pro quo. Um, you know, I got him elected and I wanted him to have a special election and he wouldn't do it. Uh, he's the worst guy in the in the world. So he's he's admitting this. This isn't you know this isn't from the Watergate tapes or some document that had been hidden. I mean these guys have been putting it in writing. It's out in the open, and I think that 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 makes it difficult to calibrate the level of outrage that we ought to have because it's that it's right there. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's we have seen so much of it. We know so much that the media kind of treats it like, okay, you know, yeah, there was an insurrection. There was a coup. There was an attempt to use power to overthrow an election. You know, give me
1: something. Yeah, do. it's definitely, it's too much to process, right? There's there's too many ways that he tried to overturn the election right. that led to the violence we saw on January 6th. And, you know, I hate to keep returning to my favorite subject, which is the January, January 6th committee, but that has a way of focusing the public attention right. on everything that happened. I yeah. mean, just go back to the testimony that we heard from the police officers. That focused the mind, at least for a few days, as to what happened. And we have to have some kind of narrative about all the things that transpired from November to January. I I do have hope for that um, because it's just so much to process. And that may be our only shot to get everything focused in one report, that will take, you know, maybe a week or two of national news coverage going in that, you know, maybe that will happen next year or sometime um, before the midterms. I don't know. But that has a way of summarizing um, everything that transpired, hopefully in a way that will be easy to understand, that will have plenty of witnesses who will be willing to speak on camera as to what they observed. And this isn't something that's just going away. There's a lot of loose ends, but I, I think they can all be tied up into a nice big bow that people can't ignore yeah.
0: well and, and and I there's no reason whatsoever for the Biden White House to not release all the information about what was going on in the White House on January 6th. There's no executive privilege that uh, that would cover that kind of mis- misconduct and I hope that the Biden White House does not get you know squeamish about this or prevaricate in any way whatsoever. look um, we, some of us remember, when Richard Nixon tried to invoke executive privilege to keep the Watergate tape secret, and the Supreme Court unanimously did not buy it, you, executive privilege does not discuss, you know, does not cover or protect a conspiracy to commit crimes. They didn't in Watergate, and they shouldn't on January sixth. This should be an. This sh- is so easy. And besides the fact, it would so be odd easy.
1: for odd for Biden to invoke president uh, executive privilege on someone uh, else's behalf. That's okay. just a weird, weird position to be in. Number one.
0: Okay, so let's take a quick break to to let people know about something new that we're doing at at The Bulwark. And when we come back, I want to talk about the, uh, the the political malpractice that's taking place in Congress right now. If you're a fan of this podcast or any of our other podcasts here at The Bulwark, I really think you're going to enjoy our newest edition. It's called The Focus Group, and it's hosted by our own Sarah Longwell. Maybe you've heard Sarah talk about these focus groups that she conducts, but now she's actually sharing real audio from the participants. It's a great show, and I know you're going to love it. Again, it's called The Focus Group with Sarah Longwell, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you consume podcasts. Okay, we are back with my colleague Amanda Carpenter. We've been talking about uh, Arizona. We've been talking about Trump. Let's talk about the Democrats here. and I'm going to take a deep breath because I, and I want to repeat something, and I you can feel free to disagree with me.
1: You need that. to go for a run before we get into this.
0: I well, you did the run <laughs> See, I, I am that's what that's why I needed a I, I needed a, a sort of slow walk into all of this. Look, you know, a lot of never Trumpers and I put myself in this category have been quasi rooting or actually rooting for the biden presidency to succeed because we know what the alternatives to success are we know what uh, what the consequences of failure would be would reopen the door to the restoration of this politics of nihilism that we've been talking about and so even if we don't support all of the policies it's important to recognize that look your success you know makes it more likely that we will return to a politics of sanity your failure undermines the, you know, the folks in the Republican Party saying you will lose unless you move on. I mean, that's part of the problem. If the, if the Democrats tank, it also tanks never Trump or Trump skeptics or Trump opponents within the Republican Party. Do you agree with this, this analysis or not?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: oh, okay. So here we have this week in Washington, D.C. They're going to be voting on Raising the national debt limit, which again should be a no-brainer, it is absolute recklessness and irresponsibility for the Republicans to filibuster that. Uh, But but it does reflect what's happened to the Republican Party, the uh, the post-responsibility nature of Mitch McConnell's move. Because if you don't raise the debt ceiling, you create a, a financial crisis, and then they have to vote on the various infrastructure packages, and wake up this morning. To find out that nancy pelosi has moved the vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill this is the depending on how you do the math a trillion dollar bipartisan bill supported by joe biden's by the biden administration his biggest legislative victory to date got 69 votes 69 votes in the united states senate we're finding out that she's moved it from was supposed to be tuesday she moved it back to thursday Maybe because the progressive caucus has made it clear that she doesn't have the votes. We have the head of the progressive caucus, who's can you pronounce her name? Does that I want to embarrass myself? It's a Jaya poll. Yes. Okay. Saying that as many as sixty Democrats will vote against their party's own bill unless they get the infrastructure, the the reconciliation bill. Just talk to me about this. Because can I just I think- tell
1: you how much I. I don't care to watch this drama. I mean, every time I turn it on, it just seems to be neurotic hand-wringing over trillions of dollars, and these people just can't can't get their act together. Number one, we've already spent, what, $5 trillion between Donald Trump and Joe Biden on COVID. Joe Biden already got trillions of dollars in direct cash payments into people's bank accounts, and guess what? Nobody really cares about that. His polling is still going down. I mean, the problem is that they're coming off as incompetent, okay, between the COVID kind of disaster that happened in August, Afghanistan, which was a disaster, and this, they they can't figure out how to spend trillions of dollars that, by the way, we don't have. Um, I just, like, I I watch this and just, like, get your act together, people, and primarily because I agree with you that Joe Biden has to be successful in order to beat back these anti-democratic forces in the Republican Party, and, like, You're spending months and months trying to, like, you don't even have a number for this thing. And you have people crying about, well, if we don't vote for this first, I can't get to that second. Meanwhile, you have something that passed the Senate with 69 votes. Like, do you guys not know how to take a win? It is unbelievable to me.
0: Take a win. You're on the one inch line. All you have to do is pass the bill that's already been passed and then move move on on to your other bill. So I understand. Look, I understand negotiations and back and forth. And I understand that that you have some progressives who genuinely believe in what's in that package. And I'm I'm not not questioning the sincerity. I'm questioning the wisdom of their tactics here. And that if, if they're that confident that this is good public policy, then let it stand on its own and push ahead with it. Don't vote against something else that's good because don't let the this is almost a perfect example of letting the the uh, the good, the the perfect be the enemy of the good. You don't vote to kill your own package because the real problem, the real possibility here is that in this game of chicken, they'll end up getting nothing, absolutely nothing. Or they and, do and get so, something
1: and everyone's so demoralized by it, they think they've got nothing. And so well, whatever say, victory you had just looks like crap.
0: Well, that's the other thing. So at this point, instead of triumphantly saying, look, we got a trillion dollar infrastructure package through with this bipartisan vote, with a big legislative victory. This is exactly what Joe Biden said he was going to do. People like spending money on 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 bricks and mortar instead of being able to celebrate that there's a possibility that they might get that. um, And everyone's going to treat that like, boy, that's a disappointment because, you know what? I, you know, I got a pony, but I wanted I wanted six ponies and because I didn't get six ponies, I don't really want that one pony. And that's the way it feels. Uh, And also they
1: have the problem that what they this is. I know this is how liberals do things, but it just blows my mind. This is too big to message. Nobody knows what it's about. Bridges, climate change, internet, uh pre-k. Like what what are you even doing here? Nobody can explain the bill and instead they just fight about whether it's 2 or 3 or 5 trillion dollars.
0: Right. And there look there are some good things that I would I would support, but also it's like look this is right now very much the politics of the possible, the art of the possible. And are you going to kill your own bill in order to push the three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation bill through the House when you know or ought to know by now that it's not going to pass the Senate? They, I mean, I'm sorry, you may hate Joe Manchin or Christian Cinema, but they have made it very clear they are not backing this. Now, maybe this is just this elaborate Kabuki dance where they're negotiating, and fine, they'll work they'll work it out at some at some point. But there is a risk that everybody will get their back up and nothing will get done. And that is political malpractice of the highest order. And it would take place at a time of maximum vulnerability for the Biden administration. It's hard for me to imagine Democrats going into the midterm elections, having tanked the Biden domestic agenda completely, failed, fighting among themselves, um and thinking that somehow they're going to be able to beat back even the nihilistic republican party and that's what's scary to me is yeah, the republican I mean, party is something,
1: yeah. and they're still not going to get a victory out of it right because they've so mismanaged this all they, well, pass they, they, they they should be saying i mean the progressives say you know what joe manchin cinema give us as much as you can right And then use that to go into the midterms and saying, you know what, we need more Democratic senators and blah, 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 so that Joe Manchin, Chris and Sinema aren't the deciding votes. Because guess what? You you are in power, but you are not powerful. As long as you're depending on Joe Manchin, which represents a red state, which is the very best that you are going to get out of West Virginia. If you don't have Joe Manchin, Sidney Powell is probably going to move here and run for Senate. Okay? Give him what he wants. Mm. Move on and make it a 2022 issue.
0: Well, I think that that's right, and I and I guess I'm I'm reading, you know, the the, the very online left, which is of course, uh, you know, all hair on fire about how terrible the moderates are for blowing all this up. But it's not the moderates right now, and not sixty moderates who are threatening to vote against the bill. They look, they they may not vote for the reconciliation bill, but they're not saying they're going to not vote for the bipartisan bill. OK, so I look You're I, coming I, a lot, off
1: like a bunch of babies. I mean, well, I, I truly, I'm, I, I I'm, really I'm can't. I, I can't hide my disdain for this process. But at, at the end of the day, I don't really care because I don't think we should be spending that much money right now. So,
0: well, I, I'm I'm in favor of the of the bricks and mortar infrastructure bill. I, and I'm in favor of some of the aspects of the reconciliation bill. But I think that the way it's being managed is is genuinely incompetent. And I'm I'm really Sorry to say that it, that it raises certain doubts. Okay, so now that we've antagonized our center-left folks, who who look, I, I've told in the past. We say this that, with love. Well, I say this is not a safe space. This is where we come on the show and we tell people what we actually think. We're, we're 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 not we're not here to manage your mood or to reaffirm you know bad ideas and bad strategy out Although there. Although
1: they can come for a run with me to elevate their mood if they'd like. They can. <laughs> no, in the in the end,
0: you know, I mean, I I've actually <clears throat> been reluctant to talk about this because I I do feel that we go, we go through these dances on some of these things, and in the end, they always come up with something, and it's usually a giant crap sandwich. But they usually resolve it. I mean, they're not going to default on the debt. I don't see that coming. Um, but uh, and and of course, there's always the possibility that uh, that Nancy Pelosi will work her magic and pull something think, something out. But I just I'm reading between the lines and. Personal relationships are getting frayed. People are getting mad. They're backing themselves into corners. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, sort of, you know, just, just perform, per, perform, you know, ideological performative foolishness going on.
1: Yeah, I just am sort of thinking out loud here. I, I don't understand the self-imposed hard deadline to get this done because I'm not sure what else they have to do next. And, of course, I want to see stuff on voting rights and things like that. But, you know... All the drama associated with this, and a lot of it comes from the news media as well, is that, oh, if Joe Biden doesn't get this done, his agenda is imploded. He won't be a successful president. Like, why? They could get this done next year. I mean, like, I, I, the, the drama is not needed. They can drag this out for as long as they want. It doesn't really matter. Um, but the way that they're managing this process does more than anything.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 this may be the last moment they'll be able to get anything done. I don't know. I mean, things, you know, all of the hopes of uh, bipartisan compromise, the police reform bill, which uh, I sure actually really, apart, huh? i actually was misled um, into believing that that there might be good faith in, you know, negotiations going on there. And, and I know that there are some folks that think that, you know, Tim Scott, he's, you know, Tim Scott's going to be one of the good Republicans. Uh, he's going to deal in good faith. I think it's pretty obvious now that he's not. Uh, and I say that because you know there he is on the Sunday shows talking about the fact that this negotiations broke down because Democrats insist on defunding the police when that's not the case. There's no, there's nobody in those rooms negotiating that bill who's calling to defund the police. And so I don't know. I just think that that right now Republicans have decided they're going to win the midterms and therefore they don't need to. They don't need to behave in a responsible way whatsoever. They're just going to sit back. Be as reckless as possible and then count on the Democrats doing what Democrats have done so well in the past, which is to form a circular firing squad. But um, just one last comment uh, for you people who are mad at us right now. If you actually believe uh, that democracy faces an existential threat, don't you think democ- the Democrats should act like it as opposed yep. to blowing themselves up over something else? OK, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney goes on 60 Minutes. What do you think?
1: I thought it was great. Um, I guess I'm more interested in the fact that she decided to go on 60 Minutes because I think it speaks to her strategy um, towards this House race, which she she needs to win. Um, you saw last week she was doing the fundraiser with President Bush, um, which, which I think is significant, um, not only because of the fact that Bush went further in talking about January 6th than he ever did before at the 9-11 memorial, um, but in the fact that It seems that Liz Cheney, and I think this is the correct move, is nationalizing her race. Um, Her opponent is not well known. Um, She's been endorsed by President Trump, um, but she's also run for office statewide. I think she came in third or fifth or something. She's not a strong candidate. She actually used to be a Cheney supporter. Um, She actually was working with the Cruz people to um, fight, fight the delegate fight at the Republican Convention in 2016 but now it seems that Cheney's opponent is just thinking, Oh, I can just get the Trump endorsement and win this thing. Um, Cheney's being very deliberate about how she's approaching this race and putting the national spotlight on it in a way that I, I think her opponent could melt down real quick. Um, the tell here, I think is that her opponent, her name's Harriet, uh, Harriet Hageman or something. Mm-hmm. Um, She, she's a lawyer. She hasn't really taken a position on January 6th yet. Hasn't said much about it. And Cheney, when she speaks about it, she points out to the fact that, Hey, um, this person is a lawyer. Does she really want to go to the same, down the same legal path as Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and the rest? And she is saying very upfront that my race is about the constitution. If people vote for me, they're voting to support, you know, law and order, a respectable Republican party that you can appreciate being a part of again. But if you vote for this other person, you, you, it's for January 6th. Her opponent yeah, hasn't I, been able to say anything about that yet. Yeah. I, I, I she's to, scared. I,
0: yeah, I wanted to find the, that, that cut um, where um, Liz Cheney says, a, a vote against me in this race, a vote for whomever Donald Trump has endorsed is a vote for somebody who's willing to put uh, allegiance to Trump above allegiance to the Constitution. So you, you can see she's she's laying that out. And this is this is why it's so difficult to be a Trumpian these days, because the the demand is that you have to say that, uh, you know, you have to go along with that line. But I don't know. I mean, I I get the sense that Wyoming Republicans are pretty pro-Trump. I mean, this is a state Mm -hmm. that Trump won by 60 points. I mean, you have to think that she is a—even with all of the quote-unquote establishment support, she's got to be considered the underdog there in that primary.
1: Yeah, I I think that's correct. Um, My view of it, though, I I do think Wyoming is still enough of a retail state where Cheney can get to know her voters. Um, And there might be Democrats that want to support her, right? Right. Um, in order to stop this pro-Trump candidate from coming in. Another smart thing that Cheney is doing um, in her interviews with local media is bringing up the fact that, you know, there's a lot of grifters that come in um, when there's a Trump-endorsed candidate and take advantage of good Republicans and mislead them and deceive them, um, which is absolutely what has been happening. And so I, I think it's it's smart. Um, and, and this race should be nationalized, Right. Because if Liz Cheney can find a way to speak to Republican voters and eke out a re-election win, I mean, that'll be important because we need someone who is trying to do this. And at the same time, um, giving people like Kevin McCarthy no room um, over what he did after January 6th and, and the way that he rehabilitated Donald Trump and brought him back from the dead and declared him leader of the Republican Party once again.
0: I think it's, I agree with that. And I think it's even bigger than that. Um, and this was pointed out during one of our Slack discussions, Bulwark Slack discussions last night. So Wyoming only has one congressional seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, two, two senators, but only one congressional seat. So if, if Liz Cheney is the congresswoman, is, is, is reelected, she is the Wyoming delegation. That's it. Now, that becomes important if, in fact, we get to 2024, 2025. And I'm sorry to be dystopian here. If the presidential election is thrown to the House of Representatives, each state gets one vote. And so you add up the states where the Republicans have the majority and add up the states where the Democrats have the majority. And it's always very, very closely divided. I think this time around, it might have been 26 states had been controlled by Republicans, but if Liz Cheney is reelected, she's Wyoming. And so, I mean, that's not a small thing. Not that, not. Could, that could be the presidential election right there. And I'm not saying that she's going to vote for the Democrat, but uh, it's unlikely she would go along with another coup attempt or another attempt to steal that election. Okay, so what did you think about her comments about uh, gay marriage? Because that, that's getting a lot of the attention where she, she admits that I was wrong. She says, I was wrong um, about, about condemning same-sex marriage back in 2013. This caused a split at the time with her sister, Mary, who's married to a woman. Uh, and Liz Cheney's now saying that the sisters are reconciled. I love my sister very much. She's changed her mind. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I watched that. She seemed pretty anguished about it. Yeah. You know, when you watch the interview, I'm not, I'm not going to say there was tears in her eyes, but you could tell that that was a, a painful um, period in their family life. And so I, I kind of thought she had already made a statement like this somewhere along the way. Maybe I assume that, or maybe this is just the first time she's been asked about it on camera. Um, but it, th- that seems good. I mean, I'm glad, I'm really just glad that their is back together again. Uh, well, somebody, more somebody than was,
0: anything. Well, somebody was asking me about the political calculation there. And I said, wait, 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 this, at least this moment seemed very clear to me that this was very personal. This was her family. It was emotional. I, I thought it was very authentic. Uh, clearly, this was a painful episode in, in your life. And I think you, we ought to take it at face value. Because I thought, what uh, you know, beyond that, uh, Liz Cheney was not bending. She was not tacking to the left. She was not changing her positions, even when they're grilling her about waterboarding. I mean, they're going all through it. It's hitting her. and she, And she is rock solid. This is the only area where I think you saw her say, no, I, I've changed my mind. And you're right, I'm looking at the video while you're talking. And I don't know that she actually has tears in her eyes, but this was very, very emotional. So I, I'm, I think this was a real rather than political move on her. I mean, real, as opposed to politically motivated
1: move. Yeah, I, I do too. I think I say, what was frustrating about that interview is really what Leslie Stahl was doing. And this happens to all Republicans who sort of yeah. come out against Trump, is that they they make them go through the list of like, let's see where you really are on waterboarding, of course, Liz Cheney, like, yes, like it, she, she hasn't backed down from that. It was an unfortunate period during, you know, the war that that happened, but you know, she hasn't changed her mind on that. And it's just like, you know, the death. And I see this like with Adam Kinzinger and others is like, well, you voted against the John Lewis voting rights bill. I mean, that bill had some problems in it. Um, and it's like, well, they're still Republicans they're still going to oppose things like raising the debt ceiling if there's no spending cuts. But we all agree on the fact that Donald Trump is a threat. And it is just so frustrating, again, to see, you know, Leslie Stahl kind of do this dance of like, oh, well, well, prove to me that you're still a bad guy. Yeah. You know, like, that's nice that you talked about Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy, but I still kind of think you're a bad guy. It's just like, I'm just so sick of it.
0: Well, but this is is the world that we live in. Okay, so... What else should we talk about here? I just uh,
1: I want to talk about Glenn Youngkin just a little bit. Okay.
0: Okay. Republican candidate for governor in Virginia, who seems to have a hard time figuring out where he stands on the big lie, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and the fact that Donald Trump is doing interviews on Virginia radio, uh, saying that Glenn Youngkin needs to embrace the MAGA movement even more. And you know, Donald Trump again, he senses when people are not fully MAGA. And Yunkin is trying to walk this line. He essentially, he's been asked about the 2020 election, and he kind of takes this line like, oh, well, Joe Biden is president. Of course he's president. But this is what, this is the out they all take. Instead of saying the election was safe and secure and Joe Biden legitimately won, they just say, well, of course he's president. And Yunkin has done all this like silly stuff about supporting election integrity task forces and promising to ban critical race theory on day one that he's governor. (sighs) It's, and then you read the political consultants who talk to the Washington Post and say, like, well, he's the guy that can unite uh, forever Trump and never Trump because he knows how to play this game right. No, yeah, that, that's I not how you do it because that so. Jerome Ball guy, who's the congressional candidate in Virginia, who's talking about executing, uh, you know, members of the Maricopa Board of Supervisors, you can't indulge that. Like, there's no bringing, those people and never Trumpers together. And you can't say that Glenn Youngkin is the good guy who can move the party forward when he indulges those kinds of people. It's, 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 it's not doable.
0: No, it, it, it's, it's not doable. And the dance is, but the dance is required. You have to, you have to do it. Okay. Can I just comment on, on one thing that is, I'm, um, I'm, um, I continue to find amazing, which I should not find amazing. OK, I'm going to just acknowledge that it's this ongoing normalization of the great replacement theory as an acceptable position on the <laughs> right. I mean, this, again, was something that you know a year ago you would have only found on neo-Nazi websites, white nationalist websites, that the great replacement was that that minorities will replace white Americans or as Tucker Carlson now calls them, legacy Americans, that Immigration was all part of a plot to replace you with other people. This was fringe stuff, and now it's being embraced very explicitly and by, you know, explicitly, I mean word for word, by the Tucker Carlson's of the world. The, the Anti-Defamation League is once again calling on Fox News to fire Tucker Carlson. The first time he he played around with this, they asked that he be, you know, they they demanded he be fired and and Lachlan Murdoch came up with some sort of tortured defense, like, "Well, he hadn't actually said it; he hadn't used those terms." Well, Tucker Carlson's basically saying, "Screw you, Lachlan! I'm going to say it. I mean, you know, this is the you know they're bringing these black people to replace you." And now, what a surprise! Matt Gates is tweeting out, "Now, you know, uh, you know, the Tucker He's Carlson not in jail yet? No." Tucker Carlson is correct about replacement theory as he explains what is happening to America and then referring to one of the most prominent Jewish organizations in America. He says the ADL is a racist organization. So this is how you normalize raw bigotry. And you'll notice the crickets. No other Republicans are pushing back against this. This is something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. So this is what the ADL said Um, for Tucker Carlson to spread the toxic, anti-Semitic and xenophobic great replacement theory is a repugnant and dangerous abuse of his platform. If it somehow was not clear enough before to the executives at Fox News that Carlson was openly embracing white nationalist talking points, let last night's episode be a case in point. Um, So apparently Carlson is on Megyn Kelly's new, I don't know, online show, whatever. Fun. And Megyn Kelly asked Carlson how he felt when, sure enough, the ADL comes after you. The ADL, Carson said laughing, fuck them. So this is great. This is, this is, this is the state of our discourse right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, Tucker's going to continue saying whatever he wants as long as he has the ratings. I mean, it's pretty clear to me the Murdochs don't care as long as they're making raking in the money. As long as Tucker has the ratings, he's fine. If he takes a tank, well, then maybe things would change. But in, until then, they have no standards. They, they, there's well, they, there's cl- no they rules.
0: Clearly, they clearly have no rules. And and, and of course, I, I hate to keep coming back to it, but uh, Paul Ryan is a member of the board of directors of the Fox Corporation, and he's had many opportunities to draw the line about election denial, um, uh, hey, COVID, so listen, co- co- COVID I... denialism, vax uh, skepticism, um, and now raw racism. And apparently that $300,000 check is, uh, well... Bought his acquiescence.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I want Paul Ryan to do stuff. I also would like other people at that network to do something. I mean, Fox News is not just Tucker Carlson. Okay. That's right. That's right. There are, I mean, thousands of people that work for it and just go along with it because Tucker's powerful. And Tucker has the most ratings and the Murdochs like him. And so everyone goes along with it. And so that is its own form of complicity. And there's different standards for that, of course, you know, from low-level producers who don't really do anything. But, you know, a guy like Chris Wallace knows better. Oh, sure. For sure. Oh, absolutely. He tries to show it in very subtle ways with his show. But come on, you you share the same airspace.
0: Well, and you also know what's going on here is that they're looking over their shoulders and they're seeing, uh, you know, competition from even more extreme outlets like Newsmax and OAN, and they know that if they dump Tucker, uh, MAGA World will, you know, rise up, hair on fire and attack Fox News even more than they are right now, and that they might be outflanked by the crazies.
1: But I sort of view some of the other people, like a Chris Wallace, um, if I'm being straight up. When we had conversations about people in the Trump administration and generals who knew better but didn't speak out, I mean, there's a lot of people who were set for life, set for life, have a lot of money in the bank, will be comfortable, their children have gone to college, they are safe and comfortable. And they could have done the right thing and taken a stand, and here's what I saw, and I won't stand for it. That doesn't just apply to people in government.
0: And and they all seem to rationalize it like this will pass over. If I can just keep my head down, also something will come along. Some something will happen. Somebody else will take a stand against the racism or somebody else will take a stand against Trump and and I I I don't need to put myself out there because I'll let somebody else take care of this. And guess what? It's not working out. It's not happening.
1: Nope, they're getting rolled. Getting they are, rolled. They are.
0: Amanda Carpenter, thanks so much for coming on the podcast after your epic run this morning. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again.